Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Repot It podcast presented by Rerouted. Rerouted is an online marketplace where people can buy and sell used outdoor gear. If you have gear to sell, please check out our app, the Rerouted app on the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. If you're shopping for gear, check us out online, rerouted.co. That's R-E-R-O-U-T-E-D dot C-O. Now, on to the Repot It podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Repot It, presented by Rerouted. My name is Brian Schoening. I'm your host, as always. I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Giles Ray. Giles, how's it going today, man? Doing well, doing well. Happy to be here again. How are you liking this co-host thing for these ski episodes? Did, did you feel over underqualified or uh, over overtitled? Uh, both. Yes. You thoroughly overtitled and underqualified, but um, I'm enjoying the heck out of it. It's been a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, today I just wanted to get into kind of some, you know, early, early ski stories and early ski memories. I know I've mentioned Big White Ski Resort in Kelowna, BC a couple of times on the podcast uh, a little bit over a year ago. I had I had my dad on to share a, a particularly scary story of mine from uh, from big white and we'll probably get into that another time on this on this podcast that was a fun one but i just kind of wanted to talk about those early ski memories you know i i personally have been skiing basically you know not since i could walk but you know pretty shortly after two and a half three years old whenever i was up at big white there's uh there's an instructor um named Cindy Helgeson, who's unbelievable. And um, I don't know if she's officially instructing with the ski school there anymore, but she has taught, uh, let's see, it's, I think it's four generations of our family, maybe going on five now. Um, she taught my grandma how to ski. She taught some, some spouses how, how to ski of, of my dad's side of the family. Uh, every single Myself and every single one of my first cousins, myself, my brother and my sister and every single one of my first cousins, which there's, you know, 16, 17 of us. And now uh, she has done a couple of lessons with the next generation, my nieces and nephews. Uh, And it's just it's really, really cool to see them uh, having that same experience. But she definitely taught us the early, you know, the French fry, the pizza, all of that stuff. We had the little, the little tie thing, whatever. Giles, uh, the you, edgy wedgies, the edgy wedgy tie. The edgy I, this, wedgies. This is going to be a topic for another podcast, but you were a ski instructor for a while in, in high school on the weekends. Yeah. Yeah. I taught, I taught skiing in middle school and high school at powder pigs, which is a uh, you know, independent ski school. It's uh, Snoqualmie Pass. That was where I learned to ski and then ended up going and teaching there for a couple of years. Now, I remember when I taught skiing for a handful of years, I'd go, you know, go skiing with my buddies and I'd reach in my pop- pockets and find gummy worms and all the trash bags that I kept for the, um, when we got liquid snow up at Snoqualmie Pass, which was very often and edgy wedgies. There was always at least like five edgy wedgies in my pockets at all times. My favorite chairlift snack and Cindy was always well stocked on these all sorts of different flavors were the fruit leathers, mm-hmm. um, you know, the little wide little, you know, oh, kind, yeah. of, kind of thick, the fruit leathers. You could stick a lot of those in one of those ski pockets. Mm-hmm. And um, and we like to have those on the chairlift uh, numerous times. Um, yeah, that- and- 
that was the key to being a good ski instructor is to have the snacks ready to go in case any kid is starting to get a little tired. Just pump them full of, full of some sugar. You can get another hour and a half out of them. And then it's their parents' problem afterwards. I was going to say, they didn't even have to deal with the sugar crash afterwards. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. you just hand them back the meltdowns in the car on the way home. It is what it is. You move along. Or the meltdowns oh, yeah. on the mountain, you know, half an hour later and then, yeah, and then yeah, the car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I know the key was to time it just right so the meltdown happened after they weren't your problem anymore. Right. Right. I know that I was always, you know, for half an hour, 45 minute, minutes into my three hour lesson. I would be like, Cindy, can I have can I have a fruit leather? And then we, we would end up making a couple of we'd have a couple mm-hmm. of fruit leathers on a couple of chairlifts, you know, throughout the throughout yep. the day just to just to keep me going. But yep. um, no, it was it's been really, really fun kind of getting to know her as an adult now as well. I mean, an unbelievable instructor. Um, Again, I know that I've mentioned up, up at big white a couple of times, but my family had, has had a cabin up there since I think the late eighties, maybe early nineties. And it's in one of the ski and ski out buildings. So Mm -hmm. it's, uh, you know, a pampered, uh, skiing experience. That's for sure. And, and we would all cram into the, uh, the, the, condo up there and the lock off. And if we had too many, too many people, once the families grew to be a little bit bigger, we, we also rented a, a space right across, right across the hallway. And that was, that was really nice. But we, uh, that's where I learned to ski. We would ski, um, you know, I mean, it was about eight hours away, but anytime mm-hmm. that we had a three day weekend and then for five or six days, over Christmas and then, you know, five or six days over midwinter break, you know, we'd end up getting almost 15 days of skiing at big white, which was, you know, not, that's not insignificant for, no, no, for it's not for a place that's that far away as well. And, you know, we would ski throughout the day and then we would go night skiing. The freedom, uh, mm-hmm. in, in a place like that is, is just unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we we had a similar thing going. We didn't have any, you know, real estate relation to it. Um, but we always went up to Sun Peaks up in Kamloops, British Columbia, for midwinter break every year. Um, and you know, me being, yeah, I've I've got an older sister, but she's ten years older than me. So by the time we were doing these trips, she was fully out of the house. Um, so I more or less was kind of like an only child then. So I always got to bring a friend up and, you know, basically every year I brought a different friend um, and had a lot of fun with that. And it wasn't, yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, pretty much every year I brought a different friend other than one or two years I went up by myself. But uh, one of our really good friends, like one of my best friends of all time, uh, Dan, his family had a place up there. So I would end up running into them um, and skiing with Dan the whole time up there as well. I'm really glad that you mentioned that and we'll have to bring Dan on at some point. I yeah, think he would be absolutely. a blast to have a, I think he'll end up being a recurring guest down the, down the road for us. Mm-hmm. Yep. But uh, one of the things that I loved is over time, other people kind of, as my network grew at school mm-hmm. and such, we would find other families that were also going to big white. And, and um, you know, so I think one family was actually staying in the same building as us, like a few, a few floors down when they came mm-hmm. and we, we drove up with them a few times. 
But ultimately there were, you know, there were five or six families in our network that were there at any given time. So I would have like, you know, a kind of normal group of friends to, to hang yep. out with while, yep. while I was there. And it was, it was, you know, a lot of family time, of course, and hanging out and hanging out in the condo. And, and they had all these, they had all these games uh, in the condo that we, mm-hmm. you know, never played ever outside of, outside of it. Um, yep. oh, we had some brutal monopoly games my monopoly is a whole a whole thing in my family because my brother is a very economically minded person it has been mm-hmm. forever he's also six years older than me two years older than my sister and way more competitive than either of us so it, he just like took us to task in monopoly for years and, oh, I'm, and i'm sure he never held back either I'm banned from playing Monopoly with uh, mm-hmm. one of our groups of friends from high school because the one time that we played, I took it too seriously uh, and, you know, no mercy. So sometimes I get to yeah, be on someone's well, team, but sometimes they just don't let me play. <laughs> He's like, you can watch while we play Monopoly. Which I'm yeah. fine with. I'll hang mm-hmm. out and watch people play a game of Monopoly. But, uh, you know, I think I think that time is behind me. It makes me the, uh, you know, the worst version of myself. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Well, so it's funny that you mentioned, you know, running, you know, have, running into other families from school up there because that's really what happened to me at Sun Peaks with Dan as it was sixth grade. I was new to our high. I was new to our school. Oh, so like, you didn't like you weren't already good friends with Dan and you ran into him. It was like early on. No. So the reason me and Dan are as good of friends as we are is because of Sun Peaks. And he would even tell you this. Um, you know, nowadays. I'm a better skier than Dan. There's no question there. Love Dan dearly. Could ski him into the ground and uh, he'll listen to this and maybe have something to say about that. But that's my story and I'm sticking to it. But know that um, sixth grade, I was new at Overlake. You were new that year as well. We were sitting in like PE and it was like the Friday before midwinter break. And the teacher's like, oh, everyone go around. Say what you're doing for midwinter break. And Dan, who was like a couple of people ahead of me, was like, oh, I'm going up to Sun Peaks, my family. And I'll like a couple of people later gets to me. And I'm like, oh, I'm also going up to Sun Peaks. Afterwards, we're like, yo, we should try to link up up there. Um, and this was back in the days when everyone carried the, the two way radios. You know, it was before cell phones were like so ubiquitous, especially if you're going to, you know, out of the country, like the international charges would kill you. And the odds of you actually having cell service anywhere on the mountain were slim to none so everyone carried these two-way radios we had the radios as well yeah. we had a frequency that had you know mm-hmm. i mean we took up a whole frequency we had like 17 oh, yeah. or 18 people oh yeah 100 it's like that, that's how everyone was i mean there's like the channel and the code and like there's so many options for you know how many different you know frequencies you could be on that I was forget easy what brand i forget what brand ours were but we had the the yellow the yellow body with the black kind of uh, uh they were all motorola's they were all motor yeah they were all motorola right. <laughs> i found right. i found them recently and i'll have another story for you later about that um but no so in, like i remember like in pe like we exchanged radio frequencies dan was like oh we're always on this one and like my 12 year old brain couldn't remember that i could not remember that whatsoever when we get up there and i'm like trying to like remember this radio frequency and i eventually ended up just like setting the radio to scan because Dan and he had other family up there. Their whole family's from Columbia and they'd have other family from Columbia up there. And we're up in British Columbia, very yeah. far from Columbia, different, different Columbia, very different Columbia. But I just set the radio not to, to scan not to be confused with the district of Columbia and Washington, yes. DC. Yes. All three very different things, but I just set it to scan. I was like, maybe I'll hear them. 
and it's like going through and i just hear a bunch of people speaking spanish at one point and i was like this may be them this may be them and um and like tried to communicate and dan was like oh yeah it is me and i was like oh perfect we linked up and like we'd ski together he was a way better skier than i was at that point like so he had been racing for ski racing yeah that's what i was gonna say we'll have to ask him we'll have to get him on and ask him about Mm -hmm. about the ski racing some some of my cousins did that as well yeah he raced for years so he was a really good skier at that point and like my parents are from texas my dad just got me into skiing because it was a good way to keep me occupied but um there's a saying and I'll, i'll censor this a bit if cow dung or if texans were meant to ski cow dung would have been white um so i was not a great skier at that point in time um and i'll attribute a lot of my skiing ability to just trying to keep up with dan and his sister and his sister was four years younger than we are i want to say three years younger than we are she can still ski me into the ground she could then she could still now um she she is a world-class skier um but no just trying to keep up with the two of them and you know over time eventually eventually could figure out how to keep up and then really show dan what i was made of and prove to him once and for all that i was the better skier yeah we we will see what dan has to say about that and i'm sure he'll agree here's the thing Eh, maybe maybe there's some pride there that he probably won't let go of and I won't blame him for, but no, it was, yeah, that the whole, the whole family ski trip up somewhere was always a blast. You know, we had a couple of years where it was the same thing where, you know, over time you started noticing there were more other families up there and you'd meet up with them. And there was one year we were up there. There were probably like six different families from our like grade in high school who were up there. The and same all thing the- happened to me. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. All Sorry, parents, I'll let you finish. Oh, you're good. All the parents were good friends. So it and you know, they all like were chatting beforehand and it got worked out where they basically all got assigned a night and everyone, you know, everyone one night hosted, you know, each family would host everyone one night. So every family only had to figure out dinner for one night. Like they'd figure it out for, you know, 20 some odd people, 25 people, but you had one night of like providing snacks and hors d'oeuvres and food for people. And that was it. And it was a blast. And we had a, you know, we had a crew of probably, you know, 10 of us skiing because a lot of the families brought one other friend from the friend group whose family wasn't going to be up there. And it was a riot. That was, that was the year we brought um, another one of our buddies that I've lived with. I lived with for a while, Cam. And he was absolutely the one who orchestrated it. Like we had invited him up. There's like two other families that were going to be up there and he'd be like, going up to another buddy's like you should convince your family to go up to sun peaks that would be fun and the heat they'd come and they'd bring another friend you know jake let jake and his family brought up they brought frost and um and um yeah no that was that was a wild week yeah so the way that we usually did it is you know uh, all of us came up got up there separately and kind of learned about Mm -hmm. it separately. Um, You know, we told, I think one family about it and they came up and stayed in the same condo as us. So we did a little bit more with them, but generally when we were up there, all of these families were in pretty fairly different circles. We, you know, uh, us kids were kind of all friends, but the, but the families were not necessarily 
super close. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we would do kind of one big night out at one of the restaurants down in the plaza. And um, it would be this really fun kind of like blowout night out where everybody yep. got to got to have a good time. Um, but that was kind of that was kind of how we did the whole group stuff. Last thing um, before I, I get us out of here, I, I just wanted to go back to what you were saying about attributing being a good skier to trying to keep up with uh, with mm-hmm. Dan and Laura so much. I can I can just relate to that so much because you know, one of the coolest things for me as a kid was getting to ski with my brother who was six years older than me. Mm-hmm. And he was always a better skier, even at his age, but I, I would be able to, in order to go on these, you know, the, the dream team was always me and my brother and my sister and my dad, you know, the four, that was our four person mm-hmm. chairlift in, in kind of the, the perfect world. Mm-hmm. And I, I attribute kind of advancing as a skier as quickly as I did. I haven't skied in a while now. I would, I would love to, but I, I just am not in a place where I'm, where I'm able to do it, uh, very much. And, and, but back then it was definitely a, a huge driving force, getting better, uh, getting better at skiing. So I could keep up with my brother and sister. And it wasn't like I was, mm-hmm. you know, a, the pain little brother that they had to drag along and wait for. Right. Yep. Yeah. No, I mean, I've, I've always attributed all of my skiing abilities to the P whoever I was trying to chase around at that time. I yeah. mean, it was you know, trying to chase Jake around for a while. It was trying to chase Dan around for a while. Um, Connor ended up being someone that I really tried to chase around for a while. And even, you know, even when I got to college and you know, moved to Utah and met a whole other caliber of skier of, you know, people whose skiing was truly in their backyard and they all grew up racing and trying to chase them around at that time. Um, just always pushing me to the next level, trying to find someone who was a little bit better than I was at skiing, but like close enough where I could keep up and not slow them down too much. The other thing that I know about you and you and I have actually never skied together. Just like the times that we were skiing a lot, didn't, didn't really overlap mm-hmm. maybe once or twice on ski bus, but I only did ski bus in middle school. Um, yeah. I think one year. So, um, <clears throat> but I, I find it really interesting. Obviously at some point you became the person that others were chasing and you were kind of, you know, encouraging people to, mm-hmm. to get better and chase you around the mountain. Uh, but one thing that you had over, over everybody that you mentioned, and this is, you know, for better or for worse, and we'll get into it at some point and you're a little less so now, but you are fearless on the mountain, or at least you were back then. And I can imagine that, you know, you're pushing yourself, you know, y- you're going to push and push and mm-hmm. push until, until you, you can't push anymore. And, yeah, uh, and, and that'll, I found that point. that'll keep you up. Yeah, that'll found keep that- you up. I found that point a few different ways, a few different times, a lot of different times. Um, but yeah, no, my dad, my dad put it in a really great way. You know, some point when I was in late middle school or high school, um, we would have a race every year. We did a ski trip every year between Christmas and New Year's. And we would have one full mountain top to bottom race to prove who is the fastest skier. Um, and he had me beat most years because we would pick a not that hard of a run. And physics plays a large part of it at some point, you know, at a good point in there. And I was just a pretty light kid. So I had never really had the density to keep up with him. And he's a, he's a short guy and, but high density and can really smoke me down the mountain that way. Um, but there was a certain point where he described, he's like, you know, his body will let him go faster than my brain will let me go. Um, and I'm definitely not, not how I used to be. And um, your brain isn't stopping you. 
His oh, brain my, is stopping him. Your brain's not yeah. stopping you. My brain will stop me now as well. My brain, like I look at things, like it's funny going, you know, being back at skiing at Crystal where we, you know, that was where we skied all the time in high school, going back through there. And I'm riding with the same group of guys that I used to ride with. And me and Cam will look at stuff. I'm like, look at these jumps that we used to hit. Look at these cliffs that we used to jump off of. And you know, some of them were like, Oh, like maybe on a decent day, we might like jump off of that one again. But a lot of them we look at them like that landing is really, really flat. Do you remember when we thought that was a good idea? And it's like, Oh yeah. I remember not being able to walk for like three days after jumping off of that repeatedly. Like I hit the same, like five foot drop to flat ice like six times in a day. And just be absolutely wrecked afterwards. And there's, you know, there's this one jump that we go by where, you know, I saw Cam throw five front flips a day off of that thing. And now we look at him like, hey, Cam, would you throw a front flip off? He's like, you could not pay me enough to do that. A little bit of self-preservation kicking in. Yeah. Yeah. Probably probably for better. Uh, Listening to that makes my knees hurt. My oh, knees yeah. are my knees are why I'm I'm I haven't been able to ski in a while and and uh, listening to that makes makes my knees hurt. Yep. No. It it made my knees hurt at 17 and it is not a pleasant the thought. thought of, the at, thought of it makes yeah, your the, knees hurt now. Yeah, and not 17 anymore. That's for sure. Well, Giles, thank you very much for joining me. We'll wrap it there. Um, I, we'll we'll have another one of these episodes where we share some some childhood ski stories. You know, we've got a million of them. But uh, thanks for thanks for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me again. This has been a lot of fun and already looking forward to the next time, my guy. That's been Repot It. Thanks to everyone for listening. If you want to shop for gear, check us out at rerouted.co. If you've got gear to list, check out our app, the Rerouted app on the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Hope you have an awesome day.